When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three blues. Three opinions. One Everton Podcast. Welcome to episode 194 of the Unholy Trinity Podcast, brought to you in association with Sports Social, Europe's biggest sports podcast network, and also Fanatics. We're joined today, myself and Pete, by Sean Lundstrom, Sport Witness, um, leads away in Rome uh, in, on a barbering course. Not surprised with his, with his ears, to be honest with you, but you know we'll, we'll say no more about that. Um, so it's uh, just the three of us today. How are you there this morning, Sean, after after that one-all draw against the, a very good Brighton side, it's got to be said? Yeah, I'm good, thank you. I mean, I, well, if I went on Twitter this morning and it seems I'm the only one who was happy about the results, that's what, that's what it felt like, reading some of the reactions to it. I thought it was a good point against a very good side. I mean, they're not in, they're not in great form, are they? But they're, they're much better than us. I think that, that's what people need to realise about games like that. And, you know, it's a fluke goal, isn't it? What are you going to do? Take it on the chin. Yeah, exactly that. I mean, we were just saying, weren't we? Um, you know, I think that initial, because of how late we conceded the goal, it's always disappointing because you, you are close to, to getting three points and against a good side. Um, so when you concede in the 84th minute, that's you, you are going to leave Goodison Park a little bit, not, not so much dejected, but a little bit disappointed. Uh, but me, me and Pete were saying on the way up to the car after the game yesterday, you know, I think we'll look back on this as, as a good point against a decent side and a side who came to Goodison Park last season and absolutely tore us apart, albeit a different manager um, a few different players. But, you know, it, it, it lives, you know, it, it lives long in the memory of players and players, don't forget. Um, and, you know, Brighton were never going to come to Goodison where the yesterday piece and, and none of have learned lessons from our win against them. Don't forget that 5-1 win that we had. So, Deserby wouldn't wouldn't be uh, deserving of his, of his paycheck if they came to Goodison Park and hadn't learned lessons from the last time we played them as well. Definitely. And, you know, I think that the previous two games are, are really worth holding in mind when you look at yesterday's performance. Because, like Sean said, I mean, I hate to say it, but as it stands, Brighton are a much better football inside than us. And when we were at home against them with Frank Lampard in charge, that was the problem. We tried to play football against them and got absolutely torn apart. Um, whereas when we went to their place with, with Daesh, you know, we went with a completely different system, counter-attacking football, and we, you know, we cleaved them apart. And I think yesterday's game was really interesting because when we looked at the team sheet, it looked initially like they, they were playing with a, um, uh, with a back three. And I know we were having a bit of a chat before kickoff to say, you know, is, is that maybe, does Zerby thinking about 
the counter attack? Is it maybe thinking about this one of the centre halves having a bit more freedom to come out with the ball and have a have a bit of protection? So it, it was very much a tactical game, I I think yesterday, and I thought we got ours absolutely spot on. I thought we were, um, you know, we were brilliant for the vast majority of the game. I thought Jordan Pickford was absolutely outstanding. Um, I just thought he, he read the game so well, got his positioning spot on. I thought he was cool-headed. Um, I thought we restricted them to, to very few chances, really. For, for Brighton, despite how much of the ball they had, I thought we worked so, so hard. And it was a bit of a cruel um, goal to, to concede. But I, I, I think there's so many more positives to take away from that game than negatives. And look, of course, we're going to be disappointed when we led the game for so long. But I think pretty much all Evertonians would have taken that if you would have offered it to them before the game. Do you know, I think it's one of them games where the result doesn't tell the story of the game. If you watched it back in the full 90 minutes, the highlights that you'll watch on Match of the Day or whatever, all the providers available, they, uh, they don't tell the story of what that game was because you'd expect Brighton to rock up at Everton and create tons of chances, have loads of shots and goal. You know, they put four passes, like you've said, last year, and they didn't. They had Pascal Gross put one over the bar from from just on the edge of the box. They had the free kick, and that was literally it. He was, he was, he created nothing. Even the goal, as I, like I've said, is a complete fluke from nothing. Even actually, Young's doing what he's supposed to do. He's blocking the cross. Like, it's just, it's just a fluke. But Everton created more chances than they did. Dominic Calvert-Lewin had a couple of breakaways. McNeil put one past the post. There was that one on the line at the end with the big scramble. It so like, like Pete saying, the the tactics were spot on from Everton yesterday. They knew they couldn't have football Brighton. So they outthought them and outthought them instead. And I thought Everton were brilliant. Uh, I, I'd rather watch Everton do that than try and play football and get rolled 4-1 and lose and be at the bottom of the table, you know what I mean? This is this is the conversation I had yesterday on, on Twitter. And, you know, a lot of people will point towards the fact that the possession was 80-20 in Brighton's favour. Obviously, that, that, that's a massive percentage for any side to have. Um, and, that, you know, that shouldn't be Everton at Goodison Park. We, we shouldn't be just having 20% of the ball especially against a side like Brighton, as a Brighton are a good football side, of course they are. And I sort of said, listen, we've been there and done that in terms of trying to play this this particular brand of football that you may see as you know, good on the eye and, and attractive and open football. Do that against them. And inside 30 minutes, it's game over. And then you'll come away. If you get B5-2, you're going to be happy getting B5-2 because you, you know we, we played open football, of course, you know. It's a points business. And after the last two seasons... What we need to understand is that we, we've all wanted a bit of stability and we've all wanted a manager who can, you know, potentially get the best out of this side in, in their way. And we know what Sean Dice is all about. He can be pragmatic, but we've also seen him, and he alluded to it after the game, against certain sides this season, Everton have been much more attacking and had more of the ball. But against some sides, you just can't do that. So he, he had a particular way of playing. As he said, you know, the players... They left it all out there. You know, they, they came off absolutely dripping in sweat. The commitment was there. And like you said, Sean, you know, if you look at the chances created, I think it was 10, 10 to 7 if we include block shots in Everton's favour. And we had, the, we had the better chances against the Brighton side with all that, that attack and flair. I mean, you know, you, you're bringing, you're taking off Lallana at half-time for Jao Pedro. You know, Evan Ferguson's going off for uh, Anzu Fatty. These are the kind of changes that they're making. You know, th- this, is, this is a side that have got Strength and depth throughout. They've also had quite a few uh, injured players missing as well. That probably would have started the game also. 
this is a, is a quality side who, as we've said over the years, they've had a blueprint in place for many, many years. So when they change manager, it's seamless. So when he went from Potter to Deserby, it was seamless. And the players know the system. They, they recruit to a system, whether that be managers, players, or what have you. There's a system in place at the club. And we're, we're a long way from that. And Kevin Thelbell alluded to that recently in that BBC podcast. We can't, unfortunately, and Brighton was used as the example. We can't at the moment, you know, look to recruit, say, three, four, five windows in advance, as Brighton probably do. Everton have been working on a window-by-window window basis. So we, we are behind them in that sense. But, the you know, the, the actual tactical setup, for me, and like you said, Sean, it was, was correct. We did it the right way. At times, you could probably argue, and the manager said the same, we weren't as, a, as effective on the counter. I didn't think when we had the opportunities. And I was saying to people around me in, in the ground yesterday, when, when we get the ball, when we're playing this way, that's one thing we have to do better, is protect the ball when you get the ball. So make sure that you are that bit more efficient with it. Um, but that's all I could really sort of say, because you know we're, we're six minutes away from victory, Pete. And as I say, you, you do come out of there feeling a little bit dejected. But if you look back on it this morning, and I think a lot of people will do that after maybe what they thought yesterday. If you look back on it this morning, you feel a little bit more cheerful about it. And listen, we've come away in the last six days, seven days now. We've beaten West Ham away in the league. We've got through to the quarterfinal of the Carabao Cup with a comfortable performance against Burnley. And we've beaten a decent side, uh, when we've drawn with a decent side in Brighton. So four points and moved on to the next round of the Cup. Not a bad week, is it really? No, not at all. Not when you look at one, how many games we've had, two are, you know, our previous run of form, our previous record against, you know, against Brighton, particularly at home. There's definitely more positives than, than negatives to, to take away from the game. And um, I know I singled out Jordan Pickford a few moments ago, but I thought Mikalenko had an outstanding game. Um, I, I thought Garner Gay did really well coming back into the side and playing the majority of the game on, on a yellow. I thought Calvert-Lewin was just absolutely outstanding. Um, working so hard, you know, up there on his own, he, he, he won pretty much everything. Um, I thought he was really unlucky not, you know, not to get a goal, like you were saying, Mike. There were maybe a couple of moments, a couple of breaks where arguably we, we could have been a little bit smarter or made a slightly different decision. So easy to say, isn't it, in in hindsight or when you're watching the game from the stands. I, I think maybe one point of criticism that I potentially do agree with a bit that, that's come out from, from fans is maybe the timing of some of the substitutions yesterday. Because there were some very, very tired legs on that pitch. I mean, p- particularly Jack Harrison, who just absolutely worked his arse off for, for the whole game. He, he had a really tough final twenty minutes, and it's so it's so easy to say, isn't it? When you you know you come away and you've you've dropped two points, you know you know that Dice should have made a change quicker, or you should have thrown Dan Juma on. Could have made that change, and we could have conceded to who you know you, you you can't get into that argument, but. I did think it was interesting that he decided to make some very, very late changes, arguably at a point where, you know, players, you know, particularly Beto, are unlikely to be able to really affect the game. Um, I don't know what your lad's thoughts are on that. I read comments today from Sean Dyche, I don't do it from last year or a couple of months ago, and he was saying that he looks at substitutions and if he thinks the game's going how he wants it to go and the structure is right and the team performance is fine, he won't make them unless it's for injuries or he thinks there's going to be a drastic change. And I think he looked at that yesterday and thought, what am I going to change here that will make a significant difference? 
Now, the goal comes from Mitoma, but before that, he'd done nothing. He's their best player by country mile. Everyone's raving about him. And he had done nothing. Everton had blocked him out all game, completely nullified him. And then it comes from, he's on the outside the box, hits the defender and goes in. Nothing you can do about it. They, they started losing possession in the middle of the pitch, but then who do Everton bring on? They've lost an honor. Who have they got to bring in there to, to start doing that and control the tempo a bit more? He changed better, but Calvert Loom was fantastic last year, like you were saying. He was running, he was putting himself about the breakaways every time with him. I don't see any change yesterday that Sean Dodge can make that significantly changes the outcome. I actually think if he puts Patterson on for Young at right back, Mitoma just rips him apart. Patterson's not a good enough defender to deal with him for 20, 25 minutes of a game. And I think Brighton would Brighton noticed that straight away and were probably hoping for that change. Maybe you put Harrison off and you bring Patterson on and have both of them deal with him down that side. Maybe. But I don't think he fancies the Patterson at the minute. That's just he's young, he's inexperienced. I think I think the thing is, I mean, again, at the match, that, that was the lot of the talk was why aren't we making changes? I mean, you, you probably heard a lot of sort of <clears throat> moans and groans as well around by you, Peter. We're, we're not too far apart. And I think I think all that I would say is obviously like you mentioned, the comments that Sean Dice has, has, has said previously in regards to substitutes and, and you know, that, that, that's how he is as a manager. What I would say is, having played six games in three days, not, you know, what do we make? Was it one change to the side against Burnley and from the from the West Ham game? So, Decore came out, didn't he? Um, and Dan Juma, Dan Juma came in. Um, so, not sort of rotating the side on Wednesday, ultimately probably cost Onana yesterday because he said he's been playing with a tight a tight car so he couldn't make the game yesterday um and that's why I, I would say is I, I could notice after about sort of 70 minutes a lot of them were flagging the core energy levels have dropped and we know that's his game he's you know he's busy he's, he's hunting the ball Calvert Lewin looked tired he said it said that obviously Jack Harrison looked tired so I think that the, the question that I would always ask myself is if you're bringing on a substitute with fresh legs is that worse than leaving on a player who's absolutely being flogged to death. That that that's the question that I would ask as a manager, you know, because having someone on, I'm not saying Dan Juma or what have you, but if you bring on even better, um, you know, is it is that better bringing him on than you know having Calvert Lewin now at sort of fifty percent after playing three times in six days? That's the only real question. Now, not to say you know, like Pete said, not to say we would have seen the game out, and then and then you know the manager then faces comments like, well. He would have kept it the, the eleven as it was. He would have won that game. So you can, he, as a manager, you can never win. So he brings on Patterson for Young, and like you say, Patterson gets beaten by Matoma, and they score anyway. Then he gets sticked then for taking Nasser Young off and not and not uh, and not keeping Patterson on the bench. Like you know, could he? Like you say, could he have gone Patterson and Young on the right hand side and doubled up on Matoma? Maybe, but. As, as a manager, it's all lives and butts, isn't it? You, you just don't know how these things are going to play out. You know, with the best preparation in the world, anything can happen. And it, it was a fluke goal. You know, Ashley Young, again, you know, he's since he's come in, he's not been great. I think he's, I think he played well against Brentford, especially after getting booked in the first minute. I think he struggled a little bit, and I think his, his legs now have, have gone. So, what I would say is, it's quite clear that mind you, like you said, doesn't seem to fancy Patterson currently. We saw Seamus Coleman get 45 minutes at the 21s yesterday against Man United. So I'd, I'd expect going forward, Seamus Coleman, when he gets his, his uh, match fitness, he will come in ahead of Nathan Patterson and Ashley Young, in my opinion. 
Um, but there's, there's lots of questions around. I mean, substitutes was the big the big talk, wasn't it? Because that's the, that was the first reaction. Well, you made no changes until they scored. Why not? You know, Tardis has killed us. And I think, I do think it was a factor, but it's always, hindsight is always probably a, a wonderful thing. And, and knowing the manager, and we, we've known him now for long enough to know what he's all about and, and how he manages games of football, it wasn't surprising. But whether it's right or wrong, it's, it's difficult to say. You know, he, he knows better than we do. Um, and, and if he seems to think that it was going okay, which we can all say that it was, of course it was. Everton, Everton kept them out. You know, there was no real threat. As we said, decent save from a from a free kick. Uh, that that dunk hit I thought particularly well. He thought he thought he was a uh, Ronaldo wasn't he? the way he lined that one up and, and, and hit it with a, with a bit of dip. Decent save. But besides that, there was there was nothing. And Everton, Everton were doing were doing all right. And it's it's all, as I say, hindsight's fantastic, isn't it? Um, but it's you know they, they're a good side. They're a good side, Brighton. And you know when you've got that kind of threat on there, I suppose people may say, well. When you give up so much possession, you bring it upon yourself. You do, but we we went away and did, did similar. We just bet on the counter second scored five. That that was literally what it was. Um, so it's 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 one of those. It's 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 always a bitter pill to swallow when you can see the goal so late. But I think we we look we will always look to well what was the reasons behind that? Was it fatigue for the players that were on? Was it the fact that substitutes weren't made? Um, but I mean, Pete, would you would you have liked to have seen the, the substitutes made anyway at one nil? Do, do you think that they should have been made yourself? I know, like I say it, it is hard to say, you know, whether we think he got it right or wrong. But what 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 is your your opinion on it? I, I think we should have made substitutions for tired legs. I mean, for me, Harrison was was the one I would have made because I, I you could see the physical toll. That the minutes were taken on his, you know, on his on his legs, on his work rate. And I thought he had an outstanding game. I'm not being critical of Harrison's performance in any way whatsoever, but you could see he was struggling to get up and down the pitch. And there were a couple of moments where, I think, rather than carry the ball, he he probably tried to clip it long into the channel. And I think it was having an effect on our football. Now, if you bring Dan Juma on, he's going to carry the ball better. He's going to give you more attacking threat. But when he loses it, he's going to be high up the pitch. He's not going to work like Harrison to get back. So I un- I understand the argument for not making that change. I fully understand it. And if we win that game one nil, you know, are we sat here, um, you know, praising Sean Dyche for you know for not making changes he did need to make and having faith in certain players? Who knows? So you know, I, I do I do take even my own comments with a pinch of salt. But it was a strong feeling I had watching the game that we were in need of fresh legs. Um, and I do think when you when you defend it in that intense way, you, you, when you've got so little of the ball, it's such hard work holding your position. You're constantly moving. You're constantly having to watch the game, watch your runners. It's such hard work. Um, and I, you know, is it a sign of our squad? I don't know. Is it a sign of of Dice's kind of um, relationship and opinion on certain players and personnel who he trusts and doesn't trust? But, you know, when you look at the likes of Beto and Chimiti, Dan Juma, players we brought in, it's, it seems a bit strange to me that they're not getting a little bit more game time um, than, you know, maybe they have been. And, you know, again, I'm not being overly critical, but I, I thought we worked extremely hard yesterday and I felt like the, the lads on the pitch could have done with, you know, at least two or three um, fresh players to help the momentum of the game. 
you know the iron the irony of it is they've bought better this summer because they didn't think Calvert Lewin would get fit and now he's probably the fittest he's ever been and they're left with a striker on the bench who we all think should be getting game time. But then if Calvert Lewin wasn't playing, we'd be asking questions of why Calvert Lewin's not getting game time. So it's a lose lose, isn't it? You can't as Sean Dyche, I think he sees Calvert Lewin as the better striker for his system, but then he's still got a thirty million pound striker sat on the bench and what does he do? But I mean, that's it, though, isn't it? But it, it's up to these players, though, as well. You know, we, we look look back on Wednesday just briefly in terms of what happened there. You know, we brought in Dan Juma, and if we're being brutally honest, he didn't really do a great deal. Did he take to force the manager's hand for him to then think, well, going forward, you deserve more game time? Because he was given a chance there. And I felt a bit sorry for him. But when you look at the difference between how he played and how Decore plays, it was, it was night and day. Unlucky, you know, not to... Not to get a goal, you know, with that little uh, little ball to Dom down the wing, and then Dom obviously gives it him back, takes a little nick off the defender, and the defender gets it away from him in the end. But you know, when when these players are getting a chance, they've got to take it. We, we we've said it over the last the last few weeks. So the players have got to come in and get the you know take their opportunity, and then have the minds of thinking, well, you know, when when I need you, I can trust you to come on and do a job. Or if if so and so is injured, I can bring you in no problem at all. You know, and I think it showed yesterday, you know, with, with Onana's injury. It was a big miss. We know how good he's been in, in recent weeks, especially the consistencies there against West Ham. I thought he was terrific. Had a good game against Burnley again in midweek, obviously got a goal. And we're seeing the Onana that I think everyone thought that we we had bought last year. But like I keep on saying, he's a, he was a young kid adapting to the Premier League. Um, so it was a big miss and it it, it showed the the limitations, I think, the side. Had obviously Garlic Gay comes in, but he's different. He's not as physical, he's not as big and strong. Um, so we are still short in areas, but there is more quality there than last season, and players have to take the chance. I mean, you, you look at Mikhailenko, for example. You know, a player who quite often has been chastised by fans. Fans think he's, he's not up to it. Obviously, he had, he had a, an injury, didn't need to start at the season. Um, and and but, but when when he's come in, I think the last three or four games, especially, I think he's been absolutely terrific. Obviously, he got a goal. You know, great for him to score his first goal at some Park, of course, yesterday. But that's as high as I've ever seen him up the pitch. I've never seen him in, in the box of my life, in the attacking in the attacking box. But he started the move, didn't he? In terms of you know nipping in, got a bit lucky, but he but he went and it's great. Peter, we, we spoke about him briefly last week, but it's great to see Mikalenko, isn't it? In terms of coming in, performing consistently against good opposition, because you know we, he's been he's defended. Obviously, we've mentioned Saka, Salah uh, in recent times. When you know we had the away away at West Ham, he thought he was really good. I thought he was good against Burnley, and then again yesterday against a good a good Brighton side. But it's great to see Mikalenko get that consistency. We know defensively that that he can do it. Um, but when when players do get a bit of stick and people think you know they compare them to Leighton Baines or they compare them to Luca Dean, you know it's just nice to see him have that form, that consistency, and nice to see him get a goal as well. Definitely, and you, you know, you you referenced Anana there, um, and the importance of having some settling in time and his age. I think people forget how young Michalenko is. You know, he's 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 a he's a very very young man at, at the start of his career, and you know, he, he's also required some time to to embed into the squad and the system in the Premier League. And we've had, you know, ch- change of management in that time as well. Um, I've always thought. Mich- Mikolenko is a really solid defender um, and I, I think people are, are starting to crystallise on that opinion a little bit now, now that he is a bit more established and um, is that a, a, you know, a bit more consistency and 
in the first 11. But I, I was really pleased for him yesterday with, with his goal. But I, th- I think as well, people need to remember that you know, that's also not the role that he's asked to play. He's not asked to get high up the pitch. He's not asked to be an attacking fullback. He's asked to play in a defensive system. So it was great that he had the, you know, the confidence to get forward and the permission to get forward and, you know, the endeavour to get his goal. But I think people need to remember that, you know, we're watching Mikalenko play in a, in a Sean Dice side, you know, with a counter-attacking system, not Leighton Baines or Luca Dean playing under Roberto Martinez. You know, because it's 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 not a, it's not a fair comparison at all. Completely different players, completely different systems, and you know we need to value what Mikalenko does bring us and what he is good at. Um, and he's not going to be a player that gets loads of goals and assists, but he's consistent, he's solid, he makes important tackles, he's good positionally. I don't know about you lads, I've certainly seen the development in him because I think when he first came in, you could see that he would often get targeted. Um, and he's, I think he's a lot tougher now and a lot smarter. So he, he's acclimatised to the Premier League, and he's, he's now a stable fixture in our, you know, in our team. He's our starting left back. Um, I think you can see the work that Sean Dyke has done with him on the training pitch. They've, they've obviously worked on his defensive side of his game more, not his like his ability to tackle and stuff like that. It's more where he needs to be, what he needs to be doing, reading the game. You can see there's definitely a development there. And like you say, he's only young by the time he hits 24, 25, and he's had perhaps a few years under Sean Dyche. He'd be a solid left back. We, because of the way the game has developed, we've we've developed this idea that fullback should be getting thirteen assists, fourteen assists a season, and a couple of goals. And you know, because of Alexander Arnold and Robertson and people like that, and the vast majority of fullbacks aren't doing that. Certainly not for Everton, who are a mid-table team, hopefully at best, or a relegation team. Sean Dyche wants them to be solid, hold the line. Defend well. That's that's your job, and he does that very well. So I, I see no problem with him. And he said, didn't he think it was in his press conference on um, as a Thursday? And Sean Dyche said, "Listen, he was asked about Michalenko. He said, first things first is defensive. The defensive duties. Uh, that that that's his job as a fullback is is to defend. He said, obviously, the, the, there's um, there's learning and development to do. He said he can be obviously in attacking areas. He said, but I want my my fullbacks to defend first and foremost." And it's he's he's perfect for the manager, really. Um, and and you know that's I think obviously with Seamus Coleman come back in on the right hand side. I say I do think he will come back in. Um, you've you've then got probably that bit more balance again because Ashley Young was struggled, like I said, and and Patterson. I think he should he should be getting game time. I think he should have started against Burnley. Um, and after after a decent performance after the first twenty against West Ham, and it should have started yesterday, but. It's you know it, it's all it's all opinions, isn't it? But um, it does. I think Seamus Common coming in, another trusted player in in the Sean Dice camp. That's for sure. It, that gives us that little bit more balance across that back four again. But just great to see Michalenko. You know he, he is you know nice to hear his name sung by by the uh, the Goodison faithful yesterday after he got his goal and and he, he's a he's a man who's been through a lot since he's been in this country. Let's, let's not forget you know in in terms of what what what's going on still in in Ukraine and. Um, obviously, had his dad in, who's been involved um, over there as well, and he's been through a lot of a lot of uh, rough times. And he's been through, you know, he he was bought by Benitez. He was gone within two weeks. Lampard then comes in. Lampard goes, and Sean Dyche is coming, and the man's twenty four years of age, so still very much adapting. Like you said, Pete, you know, he's got to be he's got to be looked at as a young player who. Has taken a bit of time to adapt to the Premier League, understandably. And we're now, I think, we're now starting to to see to see that that development. 
uh, based on threes, which is which is great to see. But I think all in all, like we were saying yesterday after the game, I think we look back on that as a positive point at the end of a positive week. You know, we're in a, a League Cup quarterfinal. It, you know, we're, I know I'm, in, I'm into cup runs. I'm into cup wins. But that's, a, that's the next step. You know, and to get a, a home draw against Fulham, great. Another, another side of Goodison Park, no doubt. Um, so, uh, you know, Sean Dyche has brought a bit of consistency in, in recent weeks. We've had some great results, which is which is great to see. Uh, some some great wins, some good performances, and I think we'll we'll put yesterday in, into that category as well. You know, it was almost perfect in terms of the result, wasn't it? Um, so I think we we can come out of this week two wins in a draw and and be happy with 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 the work that's being done before we we obviously go away to to Sellers Park, which which is a difficult place to travel, of course, next week. And we're going to discuss that after this short break. Welcome back to the second part of today's Unholy Trinity podcast as we look ahead to the uh, to the trip next weekend to, to Crystal Palace. Crystal Palace currently sitting 10th after uh, a decent win away at Burnley uh, yesterday, two two goals to nil, 15 points. Uh, so not, not too far away from ourselves. Uh, we're almost in touching distance there. But aside, Pete, that uh, we, we always know it's difficult to travel there. It's, it's one of those grounds I, I find that you know, although it's not one of the biggest grounds in the Premier League, it's a ground that, that certainly has a, has a good atmosphere. You know, they, they have uh, the Sellers Park Ultras or whatever they're called <laughs> in one corner behind a goal, banging the drum and making the rackets. And but it makes for a good atmosphere. You know, it's a tight ground anyway. Um, you know, small small pitch, not, not huge in terms of numbers in terms of attendance, but it's always a place that. I never look forward to going. I've got to be honest with you. You know, we've had we've had a, a variety of results over there in the last few years. I think was it was it nil nil last uh, last season. Uh, we've had a couple of a couple of decent wins there over the years. Had a couple of defeats, but aside that, we we certainly thought after um, Zaha left, they'd miss him. But obviously, um, Elise has been injured for quite a while. Eze's just coming back in. You know, real key players to them. But it will be a difficult game, won't it? Because it's it's just a it's just a difficult place to travel. Definitely, like you, in a weird way, I've got got a bit of a soft spot for Crystal Palace because I think I think they've got a great stadium, great fan base, you know, proper football fans, proper football people, and in recent years that they've been run well, you know, as a um, as a football club, and they, they they buy well, they promote youth, they promote development. Um, and it, yeah, it is. It's you might not call it one of our bogey teams or stadiums, but it's it's a, one of those places you don't quite fancy going, and you never feel too confident when we're there. So I think to come away with any points, I can you, you consider them to be good points or great points if we if we manage to get a um, to get a win. But they just kind of epitomise stability, don't they? You know, they 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 haven't got any um, any players in the kind of the, the ilk of Zaha that you might consider to. You know, maybe belong in a in a better team, let's say, or that you know they often get linked with your, your kind of your, what you might call your your top six clubs or your sky six clubs. But they're they're just a really solid, hardworking, organised unit, and you know that they're going to be guaranteed, like you know, mid table status, Premier you know Premier League survival, just by virtue of how reliable they are. But they're very very difficult to play against. Um, and I'm I'm kind of stilling myself for a potential nil-nil board draw, or I think a very low-scoring game. I wonder if it could be one of those where hard work cancels out hard work, 
because I, I think in some ways they're a similar team to us. I think maybe the difference is Everton have been through so much instability over the past two or three years. I feel like we're we're almost still a little bit in recovery and we're still kind of finding our feet and we're starting to see that that stability come in. Um, and I'm not suggesting for a minute Crystal Palace are what, what we should aspire to be. Um, but but I, I do think in a weird way they kind of represent the, the bare minimum that you need to be in the Premier League. Um, because you know what you're going to get from them, you know, week in, week out. I think you're right, and and you know, I think I always see Palace now as a sort of mid-table side. You know, from anywhere that from tenth down to about thirteenth is where they they would sit in in my mind. And um, I think the home form has, has a lot to do with that. But they, they've been a bit like us. They've been they've been better away really this season. If you look at the um, the games that they played at home. I think only won one game out of five, and in there they've had two nil nil draws. So your nil nil bet there, Pete, could be uh, could be the one, the one on the table. Um, you know they've gone away, they, they got beat to Villa, which you know is, is certainly you know no no shame in that. But they've gone away to Old Trafford, and they've won there. Um, they've gone away to Burnley, and they've won there. You know they've got they got beat by Newcastle away again. Obviously good side. You know they got they lost the, the defeats have come to, to to decent decent sides Tottenham Arsenal they're just they're just, they're just a, I think uh, an efficient football team you know with, with pace we know that with with power um, I always say playing sides you've got pace but Everton I think are, are learning lessons and and Everton are now starting to to have game plans that um, that work and we, we said it last week obviously after the win against West Ham another good side. You know, Everton went to to the uh, the London Stadium and and won a game that probably meant no one really saw us winning. Um, and with a better side, in my opinion. And you know, we, we look at look at Palace again, different different kind of different kind of team. But Everton aren't going to be the favourites going there. I wouldn't have thought. But I think now, Sean, we are seeing Everton as a better away side, aren't we? After you know, quite a few years of, of such poor away form. You know, we had great away form. During COVID, didn't we? When there was no fans, you know, but that was really it was almost like neutral venues, wasn't it? It didn't really make a difference where you played your football. But now, Sean Dice seems to have found a bit of a recipe when we do go away from home to to nullify sides and, and come away with with uh, with some kind of points. Yeah, he, I think the way Sean Dice plays doesn't work for Goodson Park in some aspects because he wants to sit lower and counter attack and use whatever and have gone on the counter attack, but that works perfectly away from home where you're allowed to do it. I mean, what I would say about Crystal Palace is that I don't think they're significantly better than us. It seems like Everton. Um, so I would go there quite confident of getting something, even if it is scrappy. And it does play Sean Dyche's system of like, he knows how to play against these sorts of teams and get good results against them, especially away from home. And I, I'll take that any day of the week. But at the same time, Everton can't go to Crystal Palace and let them have sixty percent of the possession. It doesn't. It, it's there's got to be a better balance that way. If we can accept it against Brighton because they'll do six hundred passes a game and pass it around you and play through you and everything between. But if you're doing that against Crystal Palace, that's when I'll join in with the criticism. There has to be more going forward against them sort of teams because I expect us to beat them teams. I think I think you're right, and and you know we will always well we should show understanding. Based on the the side that you're playing against, you know, and we know Brighton are a side that enjoys possession, that enjoys to have the ball more often than not. Um, but you, you have to then, when you come up against sides, you aren't as comfortable as as a Brighton 
or a Man City or Liverpool, you know, with the ball at the feet. You've got to then make sure that you you don't just fall back into that system where you're not having a great deal of possession. I mean, looking at, at the games, you know, Palace at home, it's you with Forest nil nil and Fulham nil nil, and both games are pretty much around 50-50 in terms of possession. And I think that's something that Everton need to need to be aware of. Palace are not going to pass us off the park. They're not not as good as the sides that, as I, as I said earlier on, who, who like to have the ball um, at the feet. And Everton have got to make sure that when we get the ball, that we we, we protect it, like I said earlier on. But we're, we're effective with it as well. Um, and there's no reason why we can't go there and, and certainly pick up pick up points. I, I almost now, it's, it's strange, Pete, really, isn't it? Because I think we always, we wanted, and we, we still want this fort as good as some park, of course, and get back to those days where, you know, we look under Moyes and, and Martinez in his first season, where sides hey, come on to Goodison Park and we give anyone a game. And we've gone away from that in, in recent years. You know, Goodison Park, we've, we've almost, you know, look, look at the side that we've lost to, you know, whether it be even Luton in recent times and especially games last season, Southampton, Wolves, um, where we've just sort of rolled over and our bellies tickled. But now, away from home, I, feel, I do feel confidence. It's strange, you know, going away. And trusting this side to go away, have a plan, and and as I said to Sean, come away, come away with some uh, some kind of points. I, d- I definitely think you're right in that the, there's a reduction of pressure. I think when we're away from home, and you can almost sounds silly to say, but you almost can feel it in the players. They seem to play with it a bit more freedom, and I, I think what what Sean was saying was important. That I think this this system that Dice kind of coaches us and gets us to play. Of you know, like you know, I guess like the, the low block, looking to exploit the counter, really really suits us away from home because you know effectively what we're saying is look you're at home all the pressure's on you, you try and break us down, and we can really hurt you on the on the counter attack. Um, I I do wonder if that might be slightly less effective against a team like Crystal Palace who who probably aren't going to come on to us quite as much at home, but I think so, yeah so far our, our away games have, have been pretty enjoyable to watch and let's hope the runner form continues yeah 100% I mean I'm looking at the West Ham statistics we're talking about possession again and it was around 60-40 so I'm not even sitting here expecting Everton to go there and and do 50-50 in terms of possession because Everton just on a possession side we can have more possession but we're never going to be a side at this moment in time that has in most games more possession than the opposition you know it's just that's just how we are um, and I'm I'm fine with that, but like 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 you said earlier on, Sean, it's got to be a case of yeah, that's okay not to have quite as much as the opposition, but it can't be eighty twenty every single week or seventy five twenty five. I mean, even the Burnley game in midweek, look at the possession stats again, sixty forty in Burnley's favour at Goodison Park, but he did nothing with it. You see, so I think we we always know possession can be uh, one of those statistics that. It can be one of those things that can throw things out and be a little bit deceiving where people will go, well, hang on, they had 75% possession. That That's terrible. As we saw yesterday, good to some part, people were saying the same to me. That can't happen. But it can happen as long as you're you're effective in what you're doing. But like we're saying, you know, it's still got to be adjusted for, for certain sides. Uh, and I'm sure that we will we will see that. Uh, at I, personally, I personally think Sean Dyche couldn't care less. He could not no, care less if no. if the opposition play hundreds of passes and we play twenty. If we win three nil, it yeah. it makes no difference to him whatsoever. 
it is it's one of the things that fans get very upset about. Oh, they're embarrassing us, Goodson Park, 70, 30% possession, whatever. It doesn't make any difference if you win the game. And that's all it is for Everton. They've just got to pick up points and make sure they're safe. That's all it is. After two years, why? We're not a team that has to worry about those sorts of things. We have to be effective of what we and use what we've got to our advantage. And Sean Dyche is doing that. The numbers might not reflect it, but you know, if we talk about numbers, look at the XG that he's been going on about. We're creating chances with it. We don't need the ball and passing it around midfield. We haven't got the players to do that. So what are we doing with it? We're being effective with it. It makes mm-hmm. no difference. No, it doesn't. And, and as fans, do you agree? What, what would you rather have? More possession or more points? And the answer will be the same for everybody, but when you want more points, of course you, of course you do. Um, and, you know, the famous XG yesterday, ours was higher than Brighton's. So against a side like Brighton, who had 80% of the ball, we had the better chances. So this is this is what we've got to look at. You know, the underlying stats tell the two pitches. We've said this for quite a, quite a while now, even at the start of the season when we weren't winning games and we should have really been winning games. Obviously, Fulham Wolves are the, are the two that spring to mind. Sheffield United away, of course. You know, th- those kind of games where Everton had the better chances. You know, and it wasn't just a case of having sort of three or four. Everton were having 15, 20 and not putting the ball on the back of the net. And that's the thing we have to look at as fans is possession is an indicator, but it's not the indicator to dictate who the better side is or if a game plan has worked or not. It's just, it's just an indicator. It's just numbers. And as I said, I know what I would rather, and that, that's Everton pick up more points and have more possession. Um, but let's see, let's see how it goes. It's at Serres Park, you know. As I say, tricky place to go. Good, always good atmosphere. Um, Pete, I know what you're going to say, but what's what's your prediction? Nil nil, board draw. <laughs> I think I'll agree with that. Sure. What are you saying? I'm going to be confident for once and have a one nil Everton win. Why not? Why not? Last away game, obviously one nil away at West Ham. Why not? Um, I'm going. I was. Go- I was going to join you, Pete, on a nil nil. I'm going to say one all. I'm going to say one all. But I, I can see a draw. I can see points. You know, I've, I've got a confidence away from home now, which I've, I haven't had for quite a while. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me if Everton win the game. That's for sure. You know, it's uh, as I said, we're, we're certainly as an away side now. We're certainly um, seem to be better prepared when it comes to going away from home. Um, but listen, let's see what happens. Um, I think I think it should be, you know, th- this week. And what I, what I'd say to, to end the podcast on is, let's look back on it on a good week. You know, we, we've had some some really tough weeks and some really difficult times. Let's, you know, th- this has been a good week for Everton. You know, let's look forward now to to a quarter final of the, of the in the League Cup. Let's look forward to going, obviously, going away to, to Crystal Palace to picking up four points against West Ham and and Brighton, two sides that I think. Most people would have had us down for nothing. And don't forget, last season, those two fixtures yielded zero points. So we've got to, these little wins are things that we think we have to we have to hang on to and think, is progression being made? I think it is. I think it is. I think there's a bit of consistency. There's, um, we're certainly a lot more solid than we were. Uh, and the resilience seems to be there as well. Um, so that's us for today. Sean, I appreciate you jumping on on a Sunday morning stroke afternoon. Thanks for having me. More than welcome, mate, and that's all for this week. And we'll be back ourselves to look back on the Crystal Palace game next weekend before we go into yet another boring international break. So we will catch you then. The Unholy Trinity Podcast. Three Blues. 
Three opinions. One Everton podcast. Sports Social Podcast Network.